Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. So our our subtext, Genesis chapter 2, in verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, in verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust. And I'll, I'll take just a tiny bit more on my monitor if somebody can give it to me. Any, any increase at all will be acceptable. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed, somebody say breathed, and breathed into his nostrils the breath, somebody shout breath, the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. I want to read it again. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Now our Actual text we'll get down to in a few minutes, which will be Proverbs 19.21. I'll just read it real quick. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Let's pray one more time. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we are grateful that we are here. And I'm grateful for this word that you have lit on fire in my heart and in my mind. I need your help completely in order to minister this word. I am well aware more than anyone else that I cannot do what I do. And I defer to you and I yield to you the best way that I know how. It is only by your mercy It is only by your grace that I'm able to speak, that I'm able to preach, that I'm able to minister, that I'm able to hear you, that I'm able to share what you've given me, and I'm asking for your help. Would you please fill me afresh to do what I'm supposed to do that I cannot do? And the same thing you do in me for speaking I ask right now that you would do it in each one of us 
for hearing, for understanding, for receiving this, for mixing it with faith, for applying it and obeying it. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God formed man from the dust of the earth, and then God breathed. God breathed his breath into this clay human being that he had formed, mixed moisture with dust and from mud, literally sculpted and made this human being. And it was just a clay sculpture. It's just a mud sculpture. Gets him all formed. And then God breathes. And the thing opens its eyes. And is a living being. A living being. The breath of God brought life. The breath of God brought life. The Hebrew word, as most of you already know, the Hebrew word here for breath, for breathing, is ruach. Hebrew word, ruach. God breathed, ruach. You got to really get that in your throat if you're going to sound like a Jew, and then probably still you won't. Ruach. He breathed into man, and man lived. That word, ruach, is the same word. It was used for the literal breath, you know, just breath. But it is the same word that's used for the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And he, not it, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. Just like Jesus is a he, just like the Father is a he, the third person of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Father who is God, the Son Jesus who is God, the Holy Spirit who is God. The Holy Spirit is God. So the Spirit of God is also called the Ruach. The Holy Spirit is called the breath of God. Ruach. And it is the Ruach that breathes life into the believer. The life of Jesus, the life of God himself. It is the Ruach, it is the Holy Spirit that empowers and leads every believer. This is why 
Jesus breathed on the disciples, Ruach. He breathed on the disciples, John 20 and 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to go to Bible school for a little while, and then we're going to go to church, all right? While we're in Bible school, you can do whatever you want as long as you're quiet. No talking from the second row, all right? While we're in Bible school, you can sit and do whatever you want. But when we go to church in a few minutes, we are going to shout. So I need to know ahead of time where my shouting people are. Can you lift your hand if you, if you shout? All right. So I see you all sprinkled throughout the congregation. I'm counting on you, and I'm expecting you because we have a verbal contract now. I asked, and you raised your right hand to tell me you are shouting folk. And so when we get to the church part of the message, you'll know when it happens. I'm counting on you to get in and help me to preach, all right? So Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit, Ruach. He ruached on them and said, Receive the Ruach. That doesn't sound nice, does it? I didn't realize just how it sounded until I said it. Sounds like you'd get in trouble for that in school. You just kind of ruached on the back of the person in front of you. <laughs> He ruach on them and said to them, receive the ruach, receive the breath, receive the Holy Spirit. It's amazing, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is eternal. There's not a time when the Holy Spirit didn't exist. He's not created. He's God. There's not a time when Jesus didn't exist. Jesus didn't just show up on earth as a baby. Jesus has always been. God the Father has always been in ageless eternity past. God the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's always been present. The Holy Spirit was present in the work of creation. The Father spoke. Jesus executed it all, but did it by way of the Holy Spirit actually performing the stuff. In the beginning, the Holy Spirit was there. He was hovering upon the face of the waters, waiting for that word from the Father to perform whatever was being approved and executed by the Son. I mean, how do you chop it up? I don't know. But the Holy Spirit has always been, has always been, breath of God. In Hebrew, it is ruach. Everybody say ruach. But in Greek, same word in Greek is, anybody help me? It's pneuma. Pneuma, not like the pneuma pneuma guy. Not that, not N-U-M-A. Don't do it right now. We're in class still. You have to wait until we're in church. Not N-U-M-A, but P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma. The lungs, the breath. We get pneumonia. Come on. We get an affliction here in, here in, our, here in our pneumonizer. It's okay to say pneumonizer. 
So we get, in a, we get a, a sickness here. We call it pneumonia because it's in our breather. It's affecting our pneuma, our pneuma. Pneuma is the word for breath in the Greek. Pneuma is the word for the Holy Spirit. But pneuma, just like ruach, is also a very general word that in the basis simply means moving air. Ruach is moving air, motion of the air. Pneuma, moving air. Now, when we say, when we say pneuma, we more closely associate that word pneuma with pressurized air, pneumatics, kind of like hydraulics, if you put hydraulics on your vehicle. But instead of using liquid, hydro, it uses pneuma, air. The easiest way to think about pneuma, pneumatics, is an air compressor. Pressurized air. I didn't even get to the sad part yet, baby. What's wrong with you? All right, fine, leave then. I don't care. Pneuma. Pneumatics. The word means pressurized air. An air compressor. Pneuma. Isn't it funny? That the same word which is used for the Holy Spirit is used for pressurized air that's building up, getting ready to be released all at once to accomplish a purpose. What you cannot do in your garage, what you cannot do in your workshop, you hold the end of the hose hooked up to the pneuma to the air compressor, and now you become a vessel carrying around. Come on, somebody. We're not quite leaving class yet, but we're teetering on church. You carry this pressurized air around, getting ready. You're the dispenser, getting ready to release it to do what you could not do in your own power. Numa. Ruach. Same word. It's the reason that wind is used as a symbol for the Holy Spirit. Throughout the scripture, wind, when you see wind, start watching, because there's a good chance we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit has a lot of symbols. We know the, and they symbolize his attributes. The Holy Spirit is symbolized by a dove, meaning peace. He's gentle in the way he works, but he also knows how to be tough. Come on. So the dove is not the only symbol for the Holy Spirit, but so is fire. So is fire. Gentleness is not weakness. He's gentle, and he's also tough, and he comes to burn out whatever doesn't belong there. Another symbol for the Holy Spirit is oil. Oil, specifically olive oil, which heals, seals, and refreshes. Come on, somebody. It heals, seals, and refreshes. So 
the Holy Spirit is symbolized by oil. The Holy Spirit is also symbolized by wind. Wind can come in and wreck some stuff. Wind can move some stuff. We've been dealing with some wind and some wind advisories the last few days. And then we see hurricanes that come in on the coasts. And a few years ago, we had here, actually in Fredericktown, one of the only inland hurricanes, one of very few that have ever taken place, an inland hurricane happened because of the, the, the speed of the wind. A wind, you couldn't see the wind, and it's still ripping whole trees out of the ground, and it's still flattening entire communities. You can't see it until it starts picking stuff up. You can't see a tornado. You're seeing the dust being affected by the tornado, but the, the, but the power is invisible. But that doesn't change its strength. Numa, that pressurized moving wind that can come in and move stuff and, and get something done. So wind is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Numa or Ruach. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound. A sound like a mighty rushing wind. Have you ever heard about somebody that went, how many of you have ever been through a tornado? You ever experienced a tornado? All right. I've been somewhat near one, but not what? Did Elise say she'd been through a tornado? Was it scary? Well, she act, did she actually? Oh, just a tornado hit her bedroom. All right. So everybody I talk to, they say, when a tornado's coming, it sounds like a, anybody know? That's it. Sounds like a freight train. Because everything, oh, want to come back for the rest of the class, huh? It sounds like a freight train because everything starts to vibrate and shake, and you hear the effects of that wind. Now, today, we know what a freight train sounds like. So if we hear that kind of wind, we say, wow, it sounds like a freight train. The disciples had never seen a freight train. Come on. Unless maybe Marty and Doc visited that era at some point. Ask somebody when you get home. So I'm glad you got the reference. So the disciples... 120 people gathered in the upper room begin to hear a sound they've never heard before. They don't know what to liken it to. Can you imagine how scary that would be at first? And the whole place begins to shake and to move, and now you're scared. And then all of a sudden you look over at your buddy, and there's fire floating above his head. And he sees fire floating above your head. And then you look, and everybody in the room, there's a flame flickering above their head. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts speaking in a different language. What a crazy day. The wind 
of the Holy Spirit. But that day changed everything because there was a power that came. There was a boldness that came inside of them. There was a strength that came that they had never had before. In that day, you want me to answer it? In that day, oh, I know who it is. That day, all of a sudden, began this bold preaching, the proclamation of the gospel in a power, in a power that nobody had ever known, and people begin to respond to the gospel and to be saved and to be baptized, and God began to work through human beings in healings and in miracles like never before. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the wind of God that has blown in my life. I'm so thankful for the wind of the Holy Spirit. For the times that I was in a place in life that I needed to be somewhere else and didn't know how to get there. But there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. And I didn't recognize exactly what it was at the time. I couldn't put my finger on it. I had never been before where it was taking me. But it picked me up like Dorothy Gale. And it put me where I was supposed to be that I didn't know how to get to on my own. Are you thankful for the wind of the Holy Spirit? I'm so grateful for the wind that blows through my life. I'm so thankful for the breath of God. The times when I could not breathe, that the breath of God showed up. The times when I couldn't muster the willpower to get through. The times when I wanted to end it all, and one or two times that's been a little closer than I would like to admit. But God showed up in his grace, showed up in his mercy, not with judgment and wrath for what I had done, but with with love and with care and with gentleness and tenderness and with strength, and God breathed into my life. I'm so thankful for the breath of God. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for God coming and changing stuff that I could not change, for doing what no man could do, doing what no workplace could do, what no government could do. God showed up in my life and did the impossible and I'm thankful for the wind. I'm thankful for the breath. I'm thankful for the ruach of God. I'm thankful. I don't know how he does what he does, but I'm so glad he does it. Some of you here, life looked different a few years ago, and then you heard something. You heard a wind blowing. And you responded, and now everything has changed. Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit in your life? Aren't you glad for the preservation? Aren't you glad for the protection? Aren't you glad for the keeping power? What would you have done if he hadn't been there when it happened? Because there was another wind blowing too. What would have happened if God hadn't been there when the storm came? 
What would have happened if God hadn't been there and if the family of God, if he had not planted you where you were surrounded by Jesus with hands and feet? Come on. You're Jesus with skin on. What would have happened if you hadn't been surrounded by God and by his family? I'm thankful for the wind. I don't understand the wind, but I'm thankful for it. Don't know how he does it, but I'm glad that he does it. John 3 and 8, Jesus said, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Ruach, the Numa. Are you grateful? And how many are here today and you're hungry for the wind to blow again? I want fresh. I want God to breathe again. I want the wind to blow again. I think I hear that air compressor filling. Come on. And I'm ready for the moment when it's time to do the job and we pull the trigger. I'm thankful. The wind of God. As you know, it's very, very cold outside right now. And we've had some wind advisories. There's something about wind in that it doesn't take long for wind to humble you. If you don't believe me, go out for about five minutes right now. It's funny how wind even changes the cold. It can be real, real cold, and you're just fine until the wind blows. And all of a sudden, the wind bringing that cold humbles you and changes everything. And all of a sudden, you are very small, and it is very big. It is very tough, and you are very weak. Wind will humble you. Stand Dog went out to go potty this morning, and the wind humbled him because he likes to take off and chase squirrels and try to run in the neighbor's yard and bite anyone he sees and whatever, you know, whatever havoc he can wreak in a few minutes until I notice and light him up with the shot collar. So this morning, Stan goes out, and, uh, you know, he, he goes out and he pees about 12 times, and then he runs around and does whatever he does, and then he poops, and then he walks around the house, and then he comes in. That's what he does. He's usually out for about five or ten minutes. And so this morning, he walked out, he peed, he walked back to the door and starts tapping on it (laughs) to come back in. It was so close, it was so cold, he decided to hold his poop until this afternoon. That's pretty cold. That's pretty cold. So the the wind, it humbled him. Stan was no match for the Ruach. And neither are we. 
You and I are no match for the Ruach of God. We are no match for the Numa. We are no match for the breath of God. We are no match for the Holy Spirit. We are no match for the direction that God's wind wants to blow. No matter how much we want to do something a different direction, we cannot stand against the ultimate plans of God. Are you with me? Over and over again in our life, we're going to start preaching now, over and over again in our life, we think we know best. Over and over again, we think we have something figured out and that we are sure this going to work. We know we got it this time. I got these plans made. I got some stuff scheduled. You know, young people, especially girls, girls say, well, I'll be graduating this year, and so then I will meet somebody, and I'll be married this year, and then I'm going to go to this school, and then I'm going to move to this state, and then I'm going to, first of all, you don't have any idea just how stupid you are. (laughs) All these plans. And then we're going to do this, and then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen. You are about to find out. So just buckle your seatbelt and hold on. You are in for the ride of your life because nothing is going to happen the way that you thought it's going to happen. Can I get a witness in this house? Nothing is going to happen the way that you thought it was going to happen. And years down the road, you're going to thank God that it did not work out the way that you thought it was going to happen. You're going to thank God that he did not answer what you asked. You're going to thank God that he looked into the future and he answered according to what was best for you instead of what you just knew that you wanted so bad. Because God knows the end from the beginning. You are no match for the Ruach. No more than Stan was this morning. When God has different ideas. We make all kinds of plans. We invest all kinds of time and money on stuff we are convinced is 100%. Only to find out there is an unexpected turn of events. Am I talking to anybody? Did you ever make big plans? Did you ever make big plans only to find out that you did not know everything you thought you knew? That you hadn't checked everything out like you thought you had? That there was stuff you hadn't accounted for? It is so much better to seek God and godly counsel. It is so much better to get the mind of the one who knows all and sees all and is holding you in the palm of his hand. Proverbs 19.21. Here's our real text, and then we'll start the message. Many are the plans in the mind of a man but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Human beings have all kinds of plans. 
all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of desires, all kinds of things they're going to do. But at the end of the day, it is God's purpose and it is God's plan that will stand. Our plans are movable. Our plans are shakable. But God's plans are indestructible. And we have an option to be part of them or not. I can't stand for leaves to be all over my garage floor. Leaves and trash and boxes. Isn't it funny how garages collect things? Stuff, stuff, stuff. And you can't even get in your car. One person has to get in the car and back it out so everybody else can get it because there's stuff everywhere. So there were leaves all over my garage floor. And if you are like me, you don't sweep with a broom these days. Men, what do we sweep with? An air compressor or a leaf blower. That's right. It's a lot better. It's a lot faster. And it feels pretty cool. So I got this, I got this nice leaf blower that I love. It's also really great for building fires. Wave to me if you know. You get that started in the bottom, and then you just put the leaf blower to it. And the fire gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it also feels really great. So I've got the leaf blower. And uh, if you're a pro at this, and I am, you don't start in the middle. You get on the furthest corner, the furthest wall, away from where you're going to blow it out because you got to do this circle thing. you got to get it away from the wall. you got to do like this. We zig and we zag and we work all the way across into a spot. Am I telling the truth? And we blow it out. So the other day, the cars happened to be out of the garage and there are leaves everywhere. And so I go out, and I begin the plan. I make the first pass. And now there, you can see concrete all around. I'm so happy about this. And then I make my next pass. And then you got to catch one because it escapes. So you got to catch. And then you're trying to blow it in the air and blow it out. And so I'm making pass after pass after pass. I've been out there for several minutes. I'm getting it closer to the door. The pile's getting thicker. It's getting taller. I'm narrowing it down. Robin knows exactly where I'm headed. <laughs> Don't you say a word. And I get it, and my garage is clean, and I feel so good. And the wind says, and in three seconds, does more than everything I spent all my, and I'm cold. I just spent all my energy. I'm out there breathing this cold air. And what took me all this time, one undoes it and puts all, we don't clap on that part. 
you're going to have to go back to kids' church if you don't know where to clap. One gust of wind comes in and undoes everything I did, plus more leaves from outside. And I almost hear God laughing. You know, there's a, there's a passage that says, He who sits in the heaven and laughs and mocks, <laughs> you know, when people fight against God, he just laughs. He just, let's see how far you get with this. And that's how I felt about that wind that undid everything I had poured into my good. There was nothing wrong with my plan. I wasn't doing anything. It was a good thing. The garage needed clean. I had some tools to do it with. And so I, I plan out. I had all these plans. I planned out this big thing. But all that I could blow was undone by a bigger wind than I could produce. Are you hearing me? By the way, I'm not talking about leaves, and I'm not talking about leaf blowers, and I'm not talking about your garage. The fact of the matter is you can put all of your work and all of your effort into the very best job you've ever done, only to find out, and usually way too far in, that God is moving in a different direction. And you have spent seasons and maybe years of your life, your time, your money, the investment of emotional energy. You've sacrificed family and relationships, blood, sweat, and tears, only to go through all of it and get to the end and say, oh, God was moving that way. Do you hear me today? It's funny because when you get into an airplane, you get into a jet, and you fly one direction across the country to go to a place, and then you get in an airplane at the same airport, and you fly the same path back, but one took three hours, and one took two hours. And you say, how did we do it so fast? And they say, we were flying with the jet stream. Come on. It takes a lot more energy and a lot more fuel and a lot more time to fly against the wind. But there's a natural jet stream, and when you can align with what that thing that's bigger than you is doing, it will carry you and do in a short time what you were never able to accomplish with all of your time. It won't deplete your fuel. It won't deplete your time or your money or your strength. And I want you to know that God has a jet stream. There is a direction that God is moving. There is a thing that God is doing. Henry Blackaby says it this way. 
way. God is always at work around you. Look for what he's doing and join him. If you'll get on board with God, if you'll come into agreement with the mind and the heart of God, if you'll move the direction that the Ruach and the wind of God is moving, he'll carry you into the vision and the destination that he has for your life, and you'll show up rested. You'll show up refreshed. You can't keep running on what makes sense to you. You can't keep doing what you think is the best plan. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make straight your path. He will make straight your path. Being a self-made man or a self-made woman is not all that it's cracked up to be. What you have to go through just to wear the badge to say, I did it my way, it's not worth what you have to lose, and it's not worth showing up there to find out you went the wrong direction. Everybody's climbing the ladder. Everybody's trying to get ahead. It's not worth being the highest man on the ladder and finding out you climbed the wrong ladder. Sometimes we can climb pretty high in our own power. It's the staying power that humanity cannot produce. When you're a self-made man, you have to be a self-kept man. And it doesn't work. Just ask the builders of the Tower of Babel. James 4 and 10 says this, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you, and he will exalt you. It is a blessed thing to find God's plan and to find God's timing. You see, too many people are driving today in life in someone else's lane and driving way too fast. Bishop Patterson always said, know your lane and stay in it. And stay in it. Too many people are trying to operate in someone else's gift. They see it. They see it in operation. And it's all inspiring, and it's awesome, and it's a blessing and an encouragement. And they make it look easy. So people get excited and think, I'll just do that. And you end up looking ridiculous. I didn't wear a suit jacket today. I should have. I would do what I always do with this, and put it on, I'd put it on at least. So you'd see how ridiculous it is. For somebody to try to wear someone else's coat. 
nothing wrong with the coat, but it wasn't designed for everybody. Nothing wrong with the fabric, nothing wrong with the fit. It just doesn't fit you. It just doesn't fit you. Maybe you've been complaining about there being no provision, but you're trying to do something that God never said he'd provide for. Because where God guides, he provides. What God orders, he pays for. You might be complaining that God's not keeping you in this season, but you went somewhere that God did not lead you. Where God calls you, he'll keep you. The most important thing you can learn in your walk is who you are and who you're not in being satisfied in Jesus. So many people are trying to be the next somebody else. Somebody trying to be the next Michael Jordan somewhere. Somebody trying to be the next Elvis. Somebody trying to be the next Michael Jackson, the next Whitney Houston. Somebody trying to be the next this, the next that. Can I tell you there's only one? There's not going to be another Michael Jordan. And there's definitely not going to be another Elvis. Come on. People coming up in the body of Christ, they sense a call for ministry. They pick out their favorite one, and they think they're going to be like that person. You're not supposed to be the next Billy Graham. You're supposed to be the first and only you. Everybody, hear me, young people, hear me, everybody. Everybody that ever did something great, they did not try to be like anybody else. And they exploded. They exploded in their field. They exploded in that community, in that world. They exploded not because they looked like something people had already seen, but because they looked like nothing that anyone had ever seen, and nobody knew what to do with them. And they had to take note. The only person you're supposed to be like is Jesus. And you got to be like Jesus, like you. The psalmist said, uh, Psalm 139, 14, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Which work is he talking about? Himself, the way he is made. My soul knows very well. He said, you made me with a certain call. You made me with a certain job. You made me with a certain purpose. I'm supposed to be in your image first and foremost, in character, in values, I'm supposed to be like God, but I'm not supposed to be like God, like Joanna. I'm not supposed to be like God, like Corey. I'm not supposed to be like God, like Stacy. I'm supposed to be like God, like me. Because I got to do something different than what you're supposed to do. And you've got to do something different than what I'm supposed to do. The problem with trying to be like somebody else is you experience the weight of their load without their ability to carry it. 
You are trying to carry their burden with your anointing. But your anointing was designed for your burden, for your gift, for your calling. You've got a job to do that nobody else can do, and you're trying to do a job that somebody else is already doing. Is this helping anybody? You can never even start your job until you stop trying to do theirs. Hallelujah. No wonder there's chaos in the body of Christ. No wonder there's jealousy and dissension. No wonder there's envy and confusion and division. Everybody's having an identity crisis. We're too worried about everyone else to figure out who we are. You keep blowing the leaves around, but which way is the wind blowing? Which way is the Ruach moving? Which way is the breath of God moving? What is God right now trying to do in your life that he cannot do because you insist on doing something else? That was the right place to clap. Pay attention to what's working and what's not. God's stuff works. And God's stuff works without you being destroyed. God's stuff works without you having a nervous breakdown. God's stuff works without you carrying pressure and stress. I have people tell me all the time when they look at the uh, people, people think two things about a preacher. Some of them think I only work for an hour on Sunday. And then others realize that you work all the time at all hours. One group thinks you don't do anything, and the other group wonders how in the world you do it. I have people tell me all the time to say, I don't know how you do it, how you do what you do. I could never do that. Well, you could if you had the help that God gives me to do it because I can't do it anymore. You can do it. And you got help to do what you do, and I got help to do what I do, and that's how I do it. Because his grace is sufficient for me that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. It's not that he gave me the ability to do it. It's that he gave me a power to do what I don't have the ability to do. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Great is your faithfulness. Pay attention to what's working because God's stuff works. It doesn't mean that nothing tries to stop you. It just means there's so much Holy Ghost oil on you that nothing that tries to stop you can get a hold of you. Boy, the Holy Ghost helped you slip through some places that nobody else could get. Come on. Like that? The Holy Ghost will call you to an impossible place, but he'll just oil you up real good. Just make you so slick, you just slide to the left, slide to the right. Come on. And then you crisscross. Crisscross. <laughs> Don't mess with me. <laughs> he just oils you up. You're covered with that oil of the Holy Spirit, and you're able to get through where nobody else could get through but the one that's called to do it. It's like cornstarch on a football jersey. 
Come on. I know that's illegal, but Jesus fulfilled all the law's demands. Come on. So he sends you out like sheep amongst wolves, but he sprinkles your jersey with cornstarch first. And the devil is lying in wait, looking for his opportunity. He's waiting for you to come passing by. You think I'm going to leap out. It takes too long to get up these days. And you come by. And the devil that you've been so scared is going to get you. God, what if there's a devil there? What if the enemy tries to stop me? God, what if it's hard? What if it hurts? What if it's uncomfortable? What if it's inconvenient? What if they don't have my favorite restaurant? What if I don't get paid a lot of money and all the stuff you give? God, I don't know how to talk. And God, can't you call somebody else to do that? And God, it's cold and God, it's raining and God, it's warm. I was going to take a vacation and God this and God that. And God, what, but they'll stop me if I go over there. And somehow God finally gets you to go. And then the devil that you thought was there is there. The devil that you thought would attack does attack, only for you to find out in that moment that all this you've been complaining all these months about, in the moment of the attack, the surprise is on the devil because he reaches out to grab, there's cornstarch on the and he slips off and he can't get a hold of you. Would you give God some praise for his keeping, protecting power? Wow, what's God doing? Pay attention to what's working. It's not that it isn't hard. It's just that there is a grace on you to accomplish what he put in you. There's a grace. There's a power. There's an anointing. Don't miss it. Don't miss the situation that is right here, right now, because you don't believe in trusting what he put in you. When the calling that God has inside of you connects with the work that's outside of you, there is a release of power that accomplishes the purpose, and it will even blow your mind. People will say, how did you do that? And you say, I have no idea. I don't know how I made it through. I don't know how I got through the divorce. I don't know how I got through the bankruptcy. I don't know how I got through being fired. I don't know how I got through the loss. I don't know how I got through being left. I don't know how I got through the abuse. I don't know how I got through being beaten and trampled upon. I don't know how I made it through. I don't know how I made it through the church split. I don't know how I made it through them using me and talking about me all the time. All that I know is that I'm still here and I didn't do it by my own power. I know that I'm still standing. I may be down, but I'm not out. It may hurt, but I'm still, somebody say, I'm still here. There's a power that's released. I'm not telling you that no effort is required, and yet the right thing somehow flows effortlessly. You know what I'm saying? It's not that you don't see any obstacles. It's not that you don't feel the wind. It's not that you don't encounter opposition or sense resistance. It's that, it's that there is help in the hard work. All of a sudden, this thing that looks impossible, but you've got a love for the labor. Meg, I couldn't do what you're doing. 
but there's been a love wrought in your heart that there is a joy connected with what would wear me out. There's a love for the labor, help in the hard work. There is refreshment in the wrestling. There's a sweetness in the struggle. Come on, somebody. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that stands. How do we know what to do? Proverbs 16 and 3. Singers, musicians, would you come? Proverbs 16 and 3. Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him, and he'll cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. Quit doing stuff without asking God. Quit doing stuff without checking with Jesus. Quit moving without first seeing what way the wind is blowing. See what the Holy Spirit's doing. And seek godly counsel. Get a team around you. Get a team of people. There is safety in a multitude of counselors, but where there is no counsel, people fail. Plans fail. Get the people of God around you and not yes men. Most of the time when you want counsel, you look for people that you know are going to say what you already want to hear. There's no hope for you. Get around somebody that loves you enough to tell you you're an idiot. Get around you, get, get some people around you that will slap you and say, shut up and wake up. Get some people that will connecto. Get some people that will stand in your face and stand in your way and say, no, this is all wrong. Get some grandmas and some grandpas and some moms and dads and some pastors and some uh, ministry leaders and some brothers and sisters. Get some people and, and don't get people that are in the same place you are. Find people that have been where you've never been. Find some people that are battle scarred and weather-worn. Find some people that got some bruises and some scars that are torn and tattered and still there to tell the tale. Find some people that know something about God. Find some people that know something about the fight, something about the wrestle. Find some people that have gone through the thing, Jesus, and come out on the other side. Find some people that are still standing. Find some people that have been through the worst. Find some people that are heartbroken. Find some people that have been trampled, but they're still there waving the blood-stained battle, the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Find those people. Spitting, you know I'm preaching good now. Somebody disinfect this, uh, dis, what do I say? Disinfect this mic. Find those people and say, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I, this is what I'm desiring. This is what I think the Lord could be saying. What do you think? And let them pray with you. Sometimes an answer that you thought would be so hard to get, you get in the moment. 
somebody, God will, God will lead you to a person with a piece of information. And you say, oh, I didn't even know that. And then you say, Phew, I dodged a bullet. So glad I asked. So, so glad I asked. Lisa told Levi right off. She said, well, you'll have to get the approval of all the men at the church. That's pretty good wisdom. Come on. Yeah. Now, everybody that everybody had to approve him were all smaller than him, so... What are we going to tell him? You know, I don't know. People are making big decisions without running it by anything. Oh, my God, the relationship destruction in our world that people run into because they didn't talk to the folks around. They didn't, they didn't believe. Find it business, people buying up businesses. People making big financial decisions. I've watched people do so many dumb things, and then they tell me this. They say, well, I prayed about it. I say, and? And they look like they don't know the next part. You do know the next part. And what did he say? We think we can make a wrong decision right by praying about it. You don't make a wrong decision right by praying about it. You're praying about it to find out if it's wrong or right. And then you do what God says. And he's usually going to say it through the people that love you. Find out. Find out which way the wind is blowing. Find out the direction of the jet stream. Find out what God has put the oil on. Find out what his word says. Find out what he's anointed. Find out what he is blessed. There's a wind advisory. And I don't want to find myself fighting God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel like I've said what I'm supposed to say. Would you stand with me? Today, I want to pray for some folks. I want to agree with you for the opening of our eyes that we can see what God is doing and saying in this season for our life. I want to pray that God will open our ears that we can hear. I want to pray for the stirring of faith that we will be willing to yield and obey what we hear and what we see. I want to agree with you for direction for what God knows is best because they're not putting everything on the brochure. They're not putting everything on the billboard. You better read that fine print like you're getting ready to buy a timeshare. Come on. You better check that thing out. I want to agree with you. I want to pray with you for God's wisdom. Just before we do that, I want, an, I want to offer an opportunity today to anyone here that perhaps does not know the Lord Jesus Christ 
for themselves. Jesus said, No one will ever see the kingdom of heaven unless he is born again. The Bible says that when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that the Father has raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. When we recognize, I am a sinner, I need God's forgiveness. Not, I am a victim and I need God's rescue. That's not salvation. Salvation is, I realize that I'm a sinner. I have worked against God, I have sinned, I have failed. I've transgressed his law. God, I need your forgiveness. And I know that you love me so much that you sent Jesus. When we say, Lord Jesus, I know you died for me, for my sin. And I know you got up again. And I proclaim you as Savior and Lord. In that moment, your sin is washed away. You are forgiven. You are righteous. You are in union with Christ. You become one with him and you are saved. Your old spirit passes away and a brand new spirit is created. You will have your same mind. You'll have all your memories, everything like that. You'll have your, this is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your soul. You will have the same soul, but you have a brand new spirit. The spirit is the life itself. The spirit is where the condition of sin exists or the condition of righteousness. When you proclaim Jesus is Lord, he gets rid of the old spirit and he gives you a brand new spirit which is holy, which is righteous, which is clean, which is whole, complete, and you are saved and you are safe and you're in right standing with God. And then you will spend the rest of your life trying to get your soul on board with your spirit. You'll be clean, but you won't always think like it. You'll be holy, but you won't always desire like it. God will be looking at this. You and Jesus are good. And the Holy Spirit will be working on this, bringing it into alignment with the holiness that exists inside of you. Without this change, one day you are going to be eternally separated from God forever eternal life is not something that starts when you die eternal life is something that starts now you make the decision now you decide now to place faith in Jesus you say what about this sin what about that I don't want to talk about this sin that sin it's not the actions of sin. It is the condition of sin that needs remedied. The condition of sin is what produces the actions of sin. We could stand here all day and talk about this sin. Blah, 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 that sin has more... Co not interested. 
I'm not interested in picking leaves off of your tree. I'm interested in laying the ax to the root and getting righteousness inside of you and teaching you who you are in Christ. And then we don't have to talk about your sins because we dealt with your sin. I'm not here to tell you how bad you are. I'm here to tell you how good God is. And when we get rid of you and get him in, everything else will start working. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, would you step out from where you are and would you come right now? If you want to say, God, I'm sorry for my sin and I want you instead of me. I want you to move in. I want to be saved, forgiven, born again. If you want that, step out of your seat. Forget who's around you. Get out of your seat and come and stand right here. I would love, you don't need me to get saved, but we're here together. I would love the honor of praying with you if you'll allow me that. Would you step out from where you are? Would you come and stand? I want to lead you in a simple prayer as you express faith from your heart in what Jesus did for all of us on the cross. Would you come right now? Anyone at all? You say, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be born again. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. Listen, a church cannot save you. A denomination can't save you. A religion can't save you. A a human can't save you. A preacher can't save you. I'm pointing you to the one who can, and it's Jesus. Would there be one here? Anybody at all? Before we change the order and pray for some folks for direction and wisdom. If you're watching at home, wherever you are, would you call out to God? God, I'm a sinner. I know you love me. I know you paid for this. Jesus, I know you came and died on the cross for me. I know you got up again, and I say yes to you. Wash me, cleanse me, move in and make me whole. If you prayed that in faith, would you click the message button right now and let me know that you did. I have a little book that I want to send you for free. It's not a church thing with us. It is a book just to help you get started in your walk with the Lord. It talks about prayer and Bible study and things like that. If you'll send me your address, I'll send it to you. No questions asked. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.